0: God, we thank you for this glorious day. Help us as we lift up our heads to see ourselves as you see us, to see the world as you see it, and to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of our groups on Tuesday night, God is Closer Than You Think, we've been thinking about this picture in the Sistine Chapel. Because much of the world's perception of Christianity is that it's it's about what we do to try and reach God, to try and live by in a certain way, by certain standards, and it's not easy. Um, and then we see this picture, painted in the Sistine Chapel, of God reaching to Adam. The interesting thing about it is that Adam is almost quite relaxed and laid back and, um, you know... And it's God that's doing the stretching. It's God's finger touching Adam's finger. It's God's intention that Adam might know him. It's God's intention. We've been doing a series on mission these last few weeks. And it starts with God's intention. God's intention for the world is that the world knows God's love. It's not about what we do or don't do. It's about knowing God's love and God's compassion and goodness and generosity and purpose and life. And so we think about our participation in God's mission. And we've been thinking about five marks of mission. Um, These together, we think, give a good summary of our participation in God's heart of what God wants when he looks at the world. First of all, we're thinking about telling, speaking. How will they know if they haven't heard? We've got to speak out our faith. Otherwise it becomes mystery. Otherwise people don't know. We need to give a reason for the hope that's within us. To tell our story of faith. To speak of what Jesus means to us. How the audacity we have... Of calling God Father. What's that about? We speak our faith. But we don't stop there. We need to teach and to become disciples. Jesus didn't say, go and make fans that wave from afar and think that's great. Make disciples, people whose whole lives are caught up in God, people who want to grow in their understanding of faith and of the world. I say that about fans. Um, Beth Cope has just put a, a review on our website of a book which is entitled Not a Fan and saying that this is what we're called to as Christians to become whole life disciples of Jesus. Have a look on the website and see about that. So telling, teaching, tending. Jackson from Romsey Mill came to us and told us that God has given us gifts. We need to share the gift that God's given us. He was telling our young people to smile because old people forget to do that. Um, Something you can do as a young person, turn and smile at an adult because they've got so many responsibilities. They can feel so worried and wearied. Just turn and smile at adults. We had that do that in our service, remember? We are encouraged as all God's people to share the gifts that God's given us one with another and so to care through acts of loving kindness towards one another. Last week we thought about treasuring something. What do we treasure? Something that's special to us—photographs, memories. The word treasure here is used in regards to the earth. Are we treasuring the earth? Are we joining? We asked ourselves with all of creation in praising God. On days like this, we were saint in earlier. That the flowers lift up their heads and look to the sun. What about us as Christians to join with all of creation? As, the, as creation points to its maker, that we join and learn from creation how to praise God and grow in life. We're thinking of that we're all created in God's image as God created the world and that mission is a loving and caring responsibility for God's creation. Telling, teaching, tending, treasuring and today I'd love to give you something. It doesn't begin with T, but, you know, it's not going to happen. Transformation is what we're about today. To seek to transform unjust structures of society. Jesus' ministry. in In the midst of his ministry, he was becoming popular. And a young man had heard about him. And he was living a devout life, a good life. He was trying to live... The right way. And he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, what must I do? You're talking about eternal life. That's interesting. What must I do to get this eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what do the commandments do? And he said, well, love God with all your heart and your mind and your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said, yes, I have been doing that since I've been a child. And Jesus looks at him and loves him. The young man says, but isn't there must be something more? And Jesus nods and says, yes. Now go and give all that you have to the poor. And that rich young man turned and walked away. It is in the inseparable link of loving God and loving neighbor that we hear our calling to be people of justice. We cannot talk about loving God if we don't love our neighbors. In Micah that we read in the Old Testament, do you hear the exasperation in God's voice in that passage? The frustration that here are these people who come regularly to the temple and do the religious stuff and god says look you can bring me thousands of these rams but what about caring for other people what about living true lives sharing my goodness noticing those that are poor around you that's what would make me happy why don't you do that to love mercy to walk humbly with my god and to to live for justice So as Christians we believe that sin not only corrupts the human heart but gets into the structures of society that's what Christians believe and the world is not the way that God intends it i'll be saying later in our next service life is not fair we'll be looking at that with our with our children and young people and as Christians we need everyone to know and want to share God's love because everyone is made in God's image. And so justice does matter. What about you when you say the word justice? How does justice touch my life? Do you want to turn to the person next to you or do you want to have a think about it? I wonder if you heard last week um, on an action taken by the Israeli government. They started bulldozing olive plantations that are in the West Bank. That they're uprooting 2,000 olive trees. These trees are aged between 3 and 15 years. And the capacity of the production of these trees is about 5,000 kilos of olives. For farmers in this area, olives are the primary source of income. And olive oil production provides many Palestinian farmers with as much as 50% of their annual income, reminding almost 75% of Palestinians live below the United Nations poverty line of $2 a day. This is the largest order to uproot trees that the farmers of Wadi Kwant Kana have ever been given. Most of the trees were planted five years ago on privately owned Palestinian property. You can read this for yourself, by the way. This is from the Fair Trade Foundation. I'm interested because it marries up not with our concern with justice only, but our interest particularly in this church with fair trade. And you can see you can protest and make your feelings known about this. But I raise this particularly because this week we had the bishop's advisor come to speak to us about fair trade. So that issue in the West Bank, it's it's, it's, it's even more interesting and excruciating in that these were the first olives that had the fair trade brand on them and so the fair trade foundation are saying hold on a minute please people's livelihoods what about us as christians we are called to say no at times as well as live lives of sharing and goodness and point to jesus so on wednesday david potter came i thought it was a good evening Um, a few of us were, were, were there um um, and to as he starts his work he's just been appointed by the bishop to I think join up churches and people concerned with fair trade and say how can we do this better together what stories can we learn from others what are the current issues of justice that are around today for us in our world as a church we've been promoting fair trade for several years the Ark, we said that's a fair trade zone meaning that anybody in there we want them to use fair trade products again in the church here We are the same. We want people to think about where products come from, to care about justice. We want to take this further, though. And at that meeting, we were talking, can we make Camborne a fair trade town? What about that challenge? What about if Camborne could be a fair trade town? If you're interested in being part of the steering group on that, see me at the end. But you say, hold on, Peter, what's this to do with Jesus? What's this to do with transformation? Well, those olive trees I showed you, I think that's where the gospel stories are found. They're stories of farmers and of fishermen. I think they're stories of olive tree farmers. It was said at the meeting, and Mark asked the question his experience of people saying, Well, fair trade, I like my coffee. Why should I change? As Christians, we need to work out reasons for that question because we're engaged with God's heart because God thinks it matters we are connected to one another everyone is made in God's image God loves everyone and everything that God has made and so we need to know whether that product, how it's been produced is what we're wearing, being produced by a sweatshop in Southeast Asia That matters to us as Christians. That is outrageous if it has been. They're desecrating the image of God. Taking advantage of somebody. Who's made in the image of God. Fair trade connects us with the earth. It matters what comes from the the ground. Really important. We're called to love God and to one another. And so we are, as a church, part of God's mission. We are people who belong to God. We are more... God-conscious than price-conscious. We want to not just our lives be determined by price, but by God's Holy Spirit and our calling to be the people God calls us to be. A movement of justice and joy. A movement of hospitality, of generosity, of caring, of welcome. In some, a community of transformation. There's a wee allotment out the back there that one of our house groups has taken on on the Thursday. And the vision for that is to say to people, come and share with us in the work of doing some gardening, doing some planting, look what God can grow from this, and then let us give it away. Let us share it together. Again, that concern for the earth, for sharing God's goodness with one another, I think that's fantastic, and it's a great thing to be involved with. Some of you, again, will know the importance to us of the coffee house that meets Monday to Friday in our our foyer. And I recognize it's not by my preaching or by whatever else we do as a church that people will first encounter the love of God. It's through the welcome that they receive in the coffee house. It's through being noticed, being attended to, being listened to, being respected, being cared for. And so such work as this, I think, is kingdom work. Ask John Sanders what we're doing with young people in our community, not just in our church, but in our, across the community, this new bo- boxing project to give children respect and re- help them recognise that they're made in the image of God so that lives can be transformed. That's surely what we... That's what God's about, and that's what we want to be about as Christians. I think together little glimpses of God's kingdom of justice and of joy of sharing God's love with everyone and saying hey let's join in this is God's heart this is what God wants be part of that movement don't sit and be a boring individual at home but be part of God's movement of what he's doing for justice in the world because God loves the world and so finally we get to our passage in Luke Luke chapter 10. I wonder how you feel when you read that. Luke chapter 10. I think it's t- spine-tingling passage. Because Jesus says, you, go. He doesn't have the 12 that we recognise, the Peters and the Jameses. No, no, it's an unnamed group of people. There's 70, 72 of them. Who he sends out and says, go and do the work that I have been doing. As we come to the end of our series on mission... Let's look at this passage. Take it home and wrestle with it. Because that's what God says to us. Go and do what I've been doing. Become my hands and my feet. Become my heart and share in my heart's concern for the world. I don't know what you know. There's just a few things about that that just struck me. Don't take a bag for your journey. Put down your stuff. Become dependent on God. The passage invites people to live by faith. Not by the cheapest offer at Morrison's. But to live by faith. Take risks. To be led by the Spirit. Some people will say, no, I think it's a lot of bunkum. Are we ready as Christians to say, well, in that case, let me go somewhere else and share the love of God. To go where Jesus would go. That's what it invites us to do. Makes you think in Canberra, where would Jesus go? That's what the passage says. Go where I would go. Go where he would go. We go in the power of the Spirit, with the compassion of God, to guide us and to bring peace to our broken world. We have the series on mission. There is a mission because God loves people. And the kingdom is the goal of the mission of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your love for this world. Help us to participate in that love this week through the stuff that we buy, through our attitude towards our neighbors. Forgive our attachment to stuff. Give us a greater heart for people. And so transform us transform our community and help change the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.